Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. So, Jared. Hi. Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm gagged to be here. I'm excited to be here, and I'm just so thankful that you're doing this. I'm, I'm so stoked. Yay. Okay. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here as well. And I'm thrilled to give you a reading and I'm just going to announce for the record, we're not sharing your birth information. We're not. No. And I respect that. Thank you. Um, It is my pleasure. So what would you like a reading about today? In the vein of the sort of black love prompt that you offered, I wanted to know if there's something in my chart that points to me being attracted to like emotionally unavailable people or if there's something in my chart that sort of points to me just having unconventional relationships. And I believe in duality, so maybe there's something in my chart that makes me like not the best for commitment or being someone's lover. So I just mm. space for the duality of that. Okay, I've got so much to say on this topic. Before I get going, what are the pronouns I should use for the people you tend to date or hook up with? It would be they, he, and she. In that order. In that order. I respect that. And I like that you've got an order, you know, that's good. Okay. Okay. So have you been in relationships thus far in your life? Yes, but I've always had qualms defining them or like adhering to them as like a conventional relationship because they don't either last long or they're just so weird. Mm -hmm. Weird like... Weird as in, like, there's a weird pairing, like you would never imagine me ending up with a person as such, or weird, like the circumstances as to like how we got together are really strange. Mm. Do you tend to be monogamous, non-monogamous, poly? Where do you fall? See, that's the part that feels inadvertent. I feel like I'm inadvertently polyamorous, but I do have qualms with that term sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The term or the reality? That's a good question. I think maybe the term, I feel like when I'll be in conversations with some people, I feel like maybe it's like not a monolithic definition. Or mm-hmm. I think sometimes people misconstrue polyamory for polygamy. I'm pretty accustomed to having multiple lovers at once or kind of like these nonlinear sort of overlaps. But I don't think that I all of these people are necessarily tethered to me at once and I'm not tethered to them. Okay. That makes perfect sense as I look upon your chart that you were telling me this. So then I I promise we're going to get there, but I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. If I had a magic wand, which I will jump to the, I don't, I don't. Okay. So do not get excited by where I'm about to. No, you don't have one. I know it's really sad. I have one, but it doesn't do anything. Okay. Okay. So if I had a magic wand and I could give you exactly what you wanted in a relationship, what would that look like? Someone that doesn't have qualms with me being special and thinking about special as just like, I'm, you know, an artist, I'm just, I'm, I'm really trying to lean into my individuality. So someone that like doesn't have qualms with uplifting that and celebrating that with me, helping me fortify that. Ideally, someone that would give me like space because I am a loner and also someone that loves sex as much as I do. Like explorative, expansive sex. You know, like it doesn't have to be rooted in penetration or it doesn't have to be rooted in like coming necessarily, but just like someone that like will stimulate 
me in in this like sexual way where we could even just talk about our fantasies and like not judge each other or kind of mm. help each other embark on these fantasies solo or together, ideally together. So I want to just reflect back to you that there's so much clarity there. And also, do you want a relationship that is long-term? I think I do, yeah. And do you want a primary partner? I do. Okay, great. I also hold space, though, for the fact that I have some unfastening to do around heteronormativity yes. I know I yes. know that to be true like there's some things like spiritually or like I'm waiting for my mind to catch up like I know that I'm I want to like queer some more things in my life but I do think that I have to unfasten some of the like conventions I was brought up with if that makes sense it absolutely does both as a person I say that and also again a person looking at your birth chart okay so there's a lot in here I'm gonna <laughs> actually have you say your full name but we're gonna beat that out so, okay. yeah. Say your full name for me. Jared. You're missing a name. What's your mom's maiden last oh name? Oh, my God. Whoa. Oh I yes. was just, oh, my God. I was just <laughs> thinking about how, like, I do technically have another middle name. And it's my mom gave me her grandmother's, like, name. That's what I need. Name. Okay, yes. good. That's the Oh, one. my okay. God. Whoa. <laughs> it's Jared. Much better. Thank you. Wow. Well, we were just beginning, so don't get too impressed yet because, you know, I don't want to, like, have nowhere to go but down. Were you raised with your dad around? No, I have an absent father, and he's now deceased. I'm sorry. And this I is kind of that. a thing in your matrilineage, eh? Yes. Yes. I yes. see that from that name that you gave me. I'm not starting where I thought I was going to start, but I am going to say that there is this kind of inherited pattern through your matrilineage of having a really big heart choosing with your heart, but not choosing people who see you and show up for you. Does that make sense with what you know of the women? In it your... absolutely yeah. does, Jessica. And I, you just triggered a memory where I used to like talk to my mom and I'm now, you know, older me wouldn't say this, but when I, I made some observation as a kid at one point, I was like, mom, why are all the women in our family just you know, like alone? Is there some sort of curse? And I just remember her like not really knowing how to respond to that. Yeah, that's fair. And also yeah, the like, answer is no. I yeah, I mean, because kids are honest. But the answer is no, it's not a curse. It's like a combo platter of the pitfalls of, of so much that happens within heterosexual culture, right? Mm -hmm. But also it's this thing that I named. It's like, and it's kind of what you were getting at when you were responding to my questions, it's like you naming that you want somebody who is responsive to your uniqueness, your specialness, your need to remain an introverted person and a creative person, right? Mm -hmm. That the, the requirement to have a partner who basically sees you, gets you, accepts you, and doesn't try to change you in order to be in a relationship, that is not something that they prioritized maybe out of necessity, maybe out of just like they didn't prioritize it. And there's, there is this thing that you are doing where you are asking for what you need, asking for, and I'm, I'm not sure you're actually doing this, but in this conversation, what you're sharing with me, you're asking for what you need. That is a shifting of the pattern. And I will say, just because something is inherited or ancestral doesn't mean it doesn't evolve and change over the course of generations and that we can't evolve and change. It's just that inherited conditions 
are harder to change because of how much spiritual assumptions we have, like unconscious assumptions we have based on the people that came before us, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I want to go to your birth chart because okay. I read your question, unavailable people, right? And I was just like, okay, what's Uranus doing? And of course, you've got Uranus sitting in your seventh house, in your seventh house stellium, and it's conjunct to Mercury, which is also conjunct to Neptune. When we have a Uranus-Mercury conjunction, what happens is it's like you're you're restless. You're restless around friendships. You're restless in your mind. You're restless around like how fast relationships are moving. If things move slowly, I don't know how you tolerate it. Like, I don't know if you do tolerate it. Wow. I feel like clock. Yeah. It's, it's something that makes me uncomfortable. It brings up some sort of like inferiority thing when things aren't like moving at a pace that seems natural to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's like, a couple things I'll say to that. One is you have Mars conjunct the ascendant in Gemini. You are bored easily. So let's mm-hmm. like not pathologize like a personal preference, right? Your mind moves fast, your nature moves fast, and you get quickly and easily bored. If there's too much repetition, if you're like, oh, I know what they're going to do next. Like a couple times that comes up. You're like, well, what is the literal point here? And you just, it's hard for you to show up. So mm-hmm. there's that. But, but that's not all. You, I'm, getting, I'm, excited, I'm excited. You don't have a lot of water in your chart. The only water that you have in your chart is Pluto and Scorpio. I mean, you also have Chiron and Cancer, but you know, it's not a planet, so I'm not exactly counting it. But Pluto is your only water placement. And so this practice of sitting in your emotions, or worse, sitting in your body in your emotions, in your body. It's very uncomfortable because your one kind of reference point for that is Pluto. Pluto and Scorpio intercepted the sixth house, by the way. So it's it's something that for sex makes sense. With extreme pain makes sense. Like you're going through a terrible time. Yes, you can deeply step into your body and into your emotions and be there. But in terms of like, you know, we're getting to know each other. We went out for food and now we're going to maybe keep on going on dates if it's moving slowly that it looks like is where there's like this emotional discomfort that comes up does that make sense it absolutely does make sense okay so we're going to come back to that i'm building up the other thing that really surprised me when i looked at your birth chart because it's quite unusual is that you have an unaspected venus the reason why this is unusual is because venus is always so close to the sun and Mercury that it's not super common for it to be unaspected in the birth chart. I want to preface everything that I'm going to say with, if you decide that what you really want is this relationship, this like magic wand relationship you described, mm-hmm. you can have it. Like there's nothing in your birth chart that says to me, oh no, that's not going to work for you. The thing that stands in your way that is within your control, right? Like who you meet, when you meet them, how available they are, like those kind of things, like it's not completely in your control. But the thing that you can control within yourself is your own capacity to be the partner to that person. Because if you're going to be with somebody who like really sees you and really gets you and doesn't need to be with you all the time. They are comfortable and confident enough to like give you space to be alone or to have other creative kind of like 
emotional or sexual connections, they are going to be somebody who actually really, really gets you or somebody who's not safe for you. So we're going to pretend you're going to not go with the not safe for you person. We're only going to go with the person who really gets you. And there is a way that when people really get you, they are often people who move a little slower than you. They're more emo types. Does this make sense? That does make sense. I, yeah. You're thinking of a person in particular right now? I'm think I am. (laughs) (laughs) I totally am. Yeah. So let me take a peek at them psychically. Can you say their name for me? Their real name is, but their nickname is. They are he. They're figuring that out, but like an AMAP person, but have told me that they prefer they and they're trying to figure out their gender and things like that. Yeah, I feel like they're on the precipice of a kind of big transition, actually, but they for now. So they're actually a great example of what I'm talking about. Sometimes they annoy you because of how slow and tender they can be, eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's that same exact quality that allows them to have, they really, they really see you as special and they get you and they're not especially competitive for your time and energy. They are insecure. And so in that way, they can be. Yeah. Yeah. And you yourself can be very insecure, but it's harder for you to tolerate other people's insecurity, which is something for you to work through, my friend, because. Heard you. um, Thank you. Because if you go for people who satiate that part of you that's restless and itchy for like more, then you're going to go for these people who are more confident. They're less self-reflective. So they're cognitively self-reflective. They're smart. You don't go for people who aren't smart, but they're not emotionally self-reflective. And so then what ends up happening is you outgrow them very quickly Mm -hmm. or they hurt your feelings. It's typically the latter, but the latter. Yeah. No, it's okay. How old are you? Are you in your Christ year now? I'm 32. I just okay. You're 32. okay. So you haven't hit your Christ year yet. Good. Okay. This is what's a Christ year? Oh, you don't know about your Christ? Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Tell me. Put me so, on. Okay. So you you heard of the Saturn return, right? I have. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the Saturn return takes about two years to build up. You have your Saturn return. It's like biff, bam, boom, right? They hit you in the face. And then it's, you've learned whatever you learned. And then life seems like it goes back to normal. You're 30, you're 31, you're 32. Everything seems like it's back to normal. And then 33 hits, it's the Christ year. And basically it is the pinnacle of the set of return. It's everything that you didn't quite deal with and everything you did a real good job with comes into fruition. You know, like the whole Christ story, I'll say just very briefly, was his Saturn return. Like it was, you know, from start to finish, it was his Saturn return. And mm. so the Christ year is is really like the, kind of in some ways like a, an outcome. It's not really an outcome, but it's that's the easiest way for me to describe it in a short, shorthand. And so mm. for you, this will have a lot to do with how you figure out to show up as yourself for yourself, which means showing up with others, right? That's Mm. what that means for you because of your very heartfelt drive to have intimate relationships. So your individual wellness is not separated from your capacity to be intimate with others. And being intimate with others is not just about showing up, it's about receiving. And you're actually a lot better at showing up than receiving, which is why you pick these people who are much better at taking than they are at giving. 
does that also bleed into like not just romantic but 100 percent, yes yeah yeah 100 percent. is that your experience as well uh, 100 percent. yeah 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 it applies to all of your intimate one-on-one relationships and are you good at do you have like long distance friends like friends who are out of state out of the country Yes, I do. And a long time ago, one of those friends was like, sometimes it almost seems like you're better at having long distance friends than friends. Like, yep. yeah, yeah, that's true. People who have, you have a Mercury conjunction to Uranus, Mercury square, Mercury opposition, any of those three aspects, we will often have long distance relationships, relationships where you never actually get together in person, but you're communicating through technology in one way or another. You're great at that. You're like, drop in. Hey, what's up? interesting drop out that is your happy place that is so me yes i see however and also but look at your libra moon look at your little libra moon just sitting there in the fifth house (laughs) (laughs) she's so vulnerable she's so tender and the moon scores Neptune, the moon scores Mercury, the moon scores Uranus. Oh, Let wow. me tell you what it means. Yes, that you you know enough to say, oh, wow. So what this means is that you want intimate relationships. I mean, Libra moon, stellium in the seventh, unaspected Venus. You want relationships, you want intimacy, and you want closeness. But these squares to the moon, as well as your unaspected Venus, tell a conflicting story. Not contradiction, but a conflict. And what that is, is that you want an intimate relationship, but (laughs) you want to be close to people, but you want to show up and be real and really let people get to know you, but you want to really listen and get to know them, but. And so in other words, whether that but is anxiety, restlessness, you are comparing yourself to them or them to someone else. Oh my God. Yeah. It's all of those. It's all all of the above plus plus. Uh, And ultimately what it comes down to in regards to the moon squares is boundaries. And I don't mean this in the most traditional way. I mean, you are so emo, but because you're uncomfortable being emo emo like vulnerable in your body emo your emo in your head feelings convert to thoughts feelings convert to actions feelings convert to distractions so having boundaries with yourself around okay i am whatever hanging out with this person and i know that it's just hanging out you know maybe sparkly hanging out maybe dirty hanging out but just hanging out mm-hmm. or I'm hanging out with this person and I don't know what it is. I feel like it could kind of go in any direction or I want it to go in a particular direction, but it is not that yet. Once you've determined which bucket the connection falls into, my advice to you is to then go ahead and set different boundaries for yourself around what you not what you should. I don't want to use the word should because I fucking hate the word should, but like, me too. yeah, I don't let Yes. Again, we're both very Uranian this way. So we're like, don't tell me what I should do. But that said, if what you know is that this is, you know, sparkle fun, but that's pretty much what it's going to be because you can tell something about them. They're just not compatible. You want different things, whatever it is. Then the boundary with yourself is don't obsess over them. You don't have to overthink this shit. It's supposed to be fun. And if it's not fun, why are you doing it? Because you don't believe it's like facilitating something deeper. So 
if it's not fun, stop. And if it is fun, but you're obsessing or you're overthinking it, rein yourself in. That's the boundary you have with yourself. That makes sense? That absolutely does make sense. Excellent. Is wild because I feel like, I don't know if it has something to do with this year, but I think that that was like a realization I've just recently come into and I'm trying to figure out more ways how to actually embody that because it was it, it has been a realization. Like, yeah. You're in that part of your sudden return of integration. So much of the 20s, you're figuring out who you are. You're running into walls and being like, holy shit, that's a wall. <laughs> you know, that's how you grow. That's how you develop. But the sudden return comes and you really learn shit about yourself. And from there, what happens is pure Saturnian fashion, things get integrated. Like you actually get it in a whole other way throughout your system. It hits your bones. Saturn governs bones, right? And what comes next is your ability to be, make connections and not just be like, that's a connection, zing, that's a connection, zoom, right? So like get distracted. It's that's a connection. Oh, I can feel that land. Okay, what am I going to do with that? Or not, you know, not everybody acts on what they learn, but we have greater access to the to the lessons, basically. And so I'm not surprised that you're like, holy shit, I, yes, I know this and I'm working on it. So I want to say this, it doesn't have to be complicated to be deep. Sorry, Mercury square moon. Mercury square moon says, yeah, it does. Has to have a hundred tentacles in order to be deep. No, mm. it doesn't. Oof, that just came right on time. Yeah. 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 And it's a lesson that I imagine that even if you get it, it will keep on showing up in various ways because you have a Mercury moon square. And so you like things to be complex as a way to substantiate your feelings. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's a rule I shall give you. Let me see. Yeah. Mercury and Capricorn. I can give you a rule. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and you can tweak it for yourself because so much of your nature is like, don't give me fucking rules, but you got Mercury and Capricorn. So you can have a rule and then tweak it for your own use. But this is the rule. If you know you're not trying to turn this person into a growth experience or a tomorrow in some sort of a deep way, it has to be fun. It doesn't have to be complicated. Boom. That's it. That's it. And fun can sometimes be complicated, right? In in its own way. There's so many different ways to have fun with someone, but there's a way that you can lose track of yourself by obsessing. And that's not fun. That's the opposite of fun. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Now we get into this very large gray area that exists for you in your love life. And when I say love life, I don't only mean your sexual and romantic relationships, because it looks like you have like love relationships with platonic people. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. You do you do really good in gray area. You're good for it. You've got Neptune in the eighth house and the moon. It's hugging the cusp of the sixth house, but it's in the fifth house. And that makes you emo and romantic and spiritual and woo and tender about people you have sexual chemistry with. Oh, yeah. Me. So, yes, you. <laughs> so you can have a friend who you have sexual vibes, but all you do is snuggle. And that for you can be so much. And then other people who you have sex with and that's what that is. But like you are likely to have lots of different levels and kinds of sexual romantic intimacies. And that works for you. It is your nature and it is worth embracing. Okay. Yeah. But you have a fucking stellium in the seventh house and a Libra moon. So you do want a relationship. 
Like you want, you want like a bestie. I come home to this person. Like it's sometimes where I'm like, what is wrong with me? And to add to that, I'm realizing too, I draw so much data about myself from my relationships, which makes me feel wild sometimes because even the bad ones, I'm like, well, what does this mean about me? Like I worked for an abuser. Like what, you know what I mean? Just like all these different factors. I'm like, what does it say about me? And like, I need to try to figure out how to work with that energy and not let it just, yeah. Okay. So, so there's like a bunch of things I want to say to that. So, so the first, the first is let's take a moment to discuss your Venus, your unaspected Venus in the seventh, because unaspected Venus tends to function in a way where real intimacy, like closeness isn't actually very important to you for chunks of time. And then you just like on a dime change and it becomes the most important thing in the world to you. It's a flip-flop. What happens with this unaspected Venus is that you can be sometimes really reserved with people you feel intimate with. And then other times be like, where are you? What's up? Where are you? What's up? And so when you say like, what's wrong with me? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's super normal, actually. <laughs> what You might be saying, what's wrong with me? Why am I being normal in this way? When in other ways, you're not the most normy person around relationships. But what that Venus needs from you is to be comfortable with having disharmony with other people and not leaving. Oh my God. Yeah. I hate having conflicts with people and it's so uncomfortable and awkward and it makes me want to break out. Like it could just be like something so like you owe me money and I'm like, don't want to ask you because it's, you know, and yes. it'll be like past trauma shit that I'll like let inform something new. And I'll be like, I just don't want to even have the combo. I'm going to just break out and just be by myself. Right. Okay. So that's the thing that I would say, if there was one thing you were going to take my advice to work on, Mm -hmm. it would be that thing. Mm -hmm. That would be the thing. Because the way to unlock the unaspected Venus, and it's hard when we have an unaspected planet, because in the birth chart, you know, all the planets are talking to each other. They're, you know, they're yelling at each other. They're, they're like cooing at each other and everything in between, but they're all in conversation with at least one other planet. When we have a planet like your Venus, which is not in conversation with the rest of your chart, it either stands up on the bar and like grabs a mic and starts singing a song that is not playing in the bar. Like it's just doing its own fucking thing or it kind of hides in the corner. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) These images too. I like, yes, totally. (laughs) You're like, I've been there at that bar. So (laughs) so (laughs) the thing that is important is not that you be less yourself like you're allowed to be introverted half the week and extroverted the other half of the week that that's fine that's being a person it's cultivating a greater capacity for being present during disharmony or conflict or discomfort awkwardness and the only way to do it is through venus so venus motivates through values right so by saying to yourself I value having substantial intimacies enough that I have to value being forthright with people. I have to value my friend who owes me $2 enough to say, I hate to ask for this, but do you mind? I know, you know, you said you're going to get it for me. Could you? Just because if you don't, then they don't know that you have pulled back from them in regards to your intimacy with them over something that doesn't mean anything to either of you, actually, right? It's just because there's this part of you that is idealistic and wants 
security and love and happiness and beauty to be a given at all times with no effort. Mm-hmm. And this is like the downside of Venus, right? It's like, I should never put a filter on this face. It will be glorious and glowing at all times. Like Venus wants that. And the reality is that the greatest way to sustain true intimacy is by being able to be empathetic and kind to yourself when you're being empathetic and kind to others. Mm. It's not doing one at the expense of the other. And it makes sense that you would want to cut out with people because you're like, this is at the expense of me now, even though that's not at their fault necessarily. It's because yeah. you're you're scared, right? 100%. To make this worse for you, I'm sorry, you have Mercury conjunction to Neptune. Now, Mercury conjunct Neptune can make you feel like saying no to people or being unpleasant to people or even in disagreement about stupid shit is being mean. So saying yes is nice, saying no is mean. Yes. And of course, you don't actually believe that because you also have Mercury conjunct Uranus, which means <laughs> you, you've got a very sharp mind and you are very disagreeable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, those both also feel inherited by the matriarchal yeah. um, yes. part in my family. And I'm also something you said earlier too, where like the, I think you were saying Venus just wanting things to be perfect and good. And just in conjunction with what you just said now is that like, I have past trauma of like, when I've expressed gripes in my younger life, people will be like, oh, you're so dramatic. Like you're so blowing this out of proportion. And like, you know, I'm also unpacking that now with the therapist that some of that was also in misogyny. Like I used to cry a lot. I was like, I'm a very, like you said, emo. Yeah. I used to cry a lot and people will be like, well, you know, like boys don't cry, you know, not like the cure song. It did not have no, that energy, no. but it was very like, boys don't cry. Like, what are you right. doing? So yes. now I tried to like, just, you know, or at one point tried to minimize that. And now I'm trying to like embrace it. Does that it's, make it makes complete sense. And it's so confusing because again, it's like you have Mars on the rise in an air sign, Mercury and Uranus are conjunct. You are somebody who knows what you think. You have strong reactions. People bug the shit out of you. You disagree, whatever. You, totally. And that's fine with you. And then the rest of you is a tender hearted emo what do you need oh no you take the bigger slice you know like you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so it's really hard because it doesn't feel like there's a bridge between how you are comfortable starting which is kind of terse and maybe a little to the point mm-hmm. and then how you're not comfortable starting right like there you haven't figured out what is your sweet spot of talking mm-hmm. about things that are uncomfortable Mm. And I think a good way of exploring this is by looking at people either in your life or in fiction, ideally a little bit of both, who you think are forthright, they're honest, they're direct, they're not mean, they don't shut people down, and they also don't shut themselves down. Mm. And they also don't minimize their own feelings, needs, and preferences. How do they talk? Like, how, what, what are the characteristics that you think are of those people who can be direct, you know, who can be in disagreement without being disrespectful or unkind. Try to notice that because the Mercury conjunction to Neptune, it gives you the capacity to like imprint on things. So when you can see it, like that's why I was like, you can find this from media as well as from people in your real life. It's easier for you to imagine how you could apply it to yourself. And that's the tr- powerful. 
Yeah. And, and it, it'll work for you. It just won't work quickly. The first person that came to mind is Sula, like the Toni Morrison book. Oh, okay. She was like so unapologetically herself and I think got demonized a lot or like depending yes. on who, you know, but she was just so her. She was so, it was almost like punk energy. Okay. So I'm going to throw an annoying detail at you. Don't do this with books. And let okay. me tell you why. Because with books, you're reading their thoughts and their feelings. And that, if you could read people's thoughts and feelings, you would just bring up when you needed the $2 back from them when they were in the right frame of mind. You know totally. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like you would be, you're, it's almost like you're the way that you first heard this was like, how could I sneak attack so that I could like magically know the right thing to say at the right moment? The truth is, if you, and this is hard for a Mars conjunction to the ascendant, but again, you got enough Capricorn in you. I think you can do this. If you say something and it comes out mean, all you have to do is be like, oh shit, that came out mean. I want you to know it came out mean because I'm being awkward and not because I'm mad or feeling weird towards you. Mm. Just own it. Mm. Just own it. Because the truth is when we double down on our edges, yeah, that bad negative consequences occur. And the truth is when you have boundaries, all of a sudden in your 30s, after never having had boundaries before, some people will tell you you're being mean. Some people will say you're being a bitch. For sure. You and every other human since the dawn of time who has boundaries gets told that they're being mean, at least mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. And what you need to be able to do is sit with like, that's how they feel. Is that because of who they are or because of what I did? Wow. Yeah. And this brings me back full circle to cultivating the ability to sit with your feelings, even when your brain is like, look over there, do over there. Yeah. It's really hard. And so because you have Pluto in the sixth house in Scorpio, I think that probably the best, easiest way for you to do that is through your body. So do you do, you do yoga or anything like that? I work out every day in the morning. I like start my day that way. Okay. Like I need to. What kind of workout do you do? I do a lot of cardio weights rope and I also swim so I like all of that the reason why I'm asking this is because I'm thinking about I don't know what it would be but like finding a practice for when you're overwhelmed with emotions especially around relationship ship where there's something that you do did you ever hear about the Sufis the whirling dervishes no I am not an expert in this so I'm like hesitant to like explain it but what I do know is very surface and it's that there is like a spiritual practice that they had of dancing in a circle and it, to reach like a state of divine ecstasy. Whoa, that's, I'm dead. I, there's like a part of this in this book that I was reading by Paulo Coelho called The Witch of Portobello. And what does it do? Well, they just talk about this character and yeah, she like dances like herself into, it's been a while since I read it, but yeah, it's like this sort of like, like rhythmic dancing in a circle and like you kind of bring on like a trance sort of and that's I think I think process. we're probably talking about the same thing so yeah. I'd be curious if that would help you because of some version of that so you know if you start googling the algorithm is going to feed you so let it feed you that intercepted Pluto in your sixth in Scorpio needs something intense and overwhelming that you use your body as the vehicle to get into the feelings so dance can help that but if you're dancing to music 
that is like part of your social life, that's going to be a distraction, right? Because like you hear this track and it reminds you of this person and then you're like, oh, fuck, let me go see what they're doing, right? It's got to be like music that you listen to specifically like how people will listen to, you know, guided meditations, like music that is exclusive to this practice. The intention is to access your feelings and the way to get to your feelings is through your body, through getting into your body, staying with your body and emptying out your analyzer or distracting yourself from your analyzer with your body because you already do that, but you don't do that to access your emotions. You do that simply to clear your head. Mm -hmm. So this practice could really help you when you're trying to sort through your relationships. Like when we come back to that person we talked about before, yes. who's who's like tender You're and you're kind of dating-ish then. We're so even like a lot of things that you're talking about in this reading, like, like how I just need to like express more hardship things. Like I had a conversation with them like a few weeks ago about just like some disappointments from expectations that weren't just perceived on my end, like things that they had promised and weren't able to muster up. And we had a conversation about it, it was like the first time and I was so awkward and uncomfortable, Jessica, but it, it went so well. Mm. they were so sweet and they like I mean they also revealed that they've been going through some shit that I didn't even know the full end of because they're also a loner in their own way mm -hmm. but like the nature of the convo it was so antithetical to what I was telling you before where I've expressed in the past and people be like you're so dramatic and all of this it was so not that it was yeah. like I'm so sorry. Like you make me feel so good. And I just haven't been well. And, and even when I saw you, like you made me feel so much better, but I still am not well. I've been processing that. I'm just like, wow, that's just the truth. It's not something I want to hear. Like even how you're talking about my unaspected Venus, like it's not cute, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not, but it's the truth. And I respect yes. that, that it was real shit, you know? And, and it didn't end. It just was left non-conclusive, right? Exactly. I yeah. feel like in any other condition, we could have this like really sweet, like love being like, yes. just thing. But right now, I just don't think the time is permitting that. Mm -hmm. And like, what does it mean to radically accept that? But also sometimes loving you have to like release things out of your control. I'm very, yes. I don't know if my, my chart says I've like, yeah, like just control is just something too for me. Yeah. You know? Well, you're, you're very Again, like I'm going to say two completely contradicting things. On the one hand, you like to be in control of everything and to see what's coming. And on the other hand, you're so good at letting things go, letting people go. It just depends on what's activated. And have you called them since that conversation or we texted them? No. Mm -hmm. I would recommend just reaching out because I think they're really embarrassed. And I don't think you mm. that really occurred to you, but I think they're really embarrassed because they didn't realize that they were hurting your feelings or mm -hmm. not showing up. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know that you can like be with this person. And at the same time, I agree. There's something there. There's something There's weird, something weirdly there, magical Jessica. there. I see it. It really is. Like my body has never, like, I've never wanted to just like hang out and read a magazine. You know how you were that's, describing, that's I get exactly bored. It. I like yes. want to just do simple shit with this person. Yes. I want to just lay up in the bed and smoke a joint and read a fashion mag. And that is that's, so not me. I don't know that that's over. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. I'm just, yeah. I don't know that I, on the one hand, they're not okay. That is true. They're having mental yeah. health issues. Yeah. And they have some things in place, but they're actually not really using those things 
On the other hand, there's something just so lovely between the two of you that I think maybe expressing to them that while it's not like the perfect, it didn't get resolved in the perfect way that you would have preferred, that you are not angry and that you still have all of this like love in your heart or however you want to frame it, like care in your heart for them. I think they might be surprised to get that message from you because I think they, they kind of crumbled inside of themselves. I can't tell if that's their personality or or the crisis they're in. And they, they are pretty bananas about you. They're, they're, they're very into you. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And it's also something that is felt in my body, even though, and they don't have to say it. And I sometimes wonder if like what I'm doing, like they can just feel it without me saying it. Cause sometimes I don't know that I like am articulating myself enough. I think about... you're both like that. It's weird. Yeah. You're both, you're very similar and very different at the same time. So c- coming full circle to this larger part of your question of like, why do I attract these unavailable people? Yes. Right? Because I'm now I'm like, oh, this is part of why you sent the question, right? Because yes. person. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting it. I'm slow, but I'm getting it. Okay. So in part, I would say just because it's not now doesn't mean it's not. Mm-hmm. And it is possible that this is not ever going to become anything or mm-hmm. you'll try and it'll fail. It seems to me equally possible that this is, your beginning. Mm. And your beginning is not quick, which to be honest, I think your healthiest relationships, friendships, love relationships, professional collaborations, whatever it is, probably won't be quick mm. because your viewfinder <laughs> when you're scanning quickly is somebody you're comfortable with. In other words, somebody that you can just like, you do you and they do them. And you're like orbiting really, really close to each other and you're like dipping into each other, but really you're doing you and they're doing them. That's your comfort zone. Yeah. It takes time to develop intimacy. It just Mm -hmm. does. It takes time to build trust. And there's something between the two of you that I think tells you both, oh, I could trust this person. I could be myself with this person. I could be seen by this person. And you have evidence of it, but it's, I'm seeing like four months. Is that right? Since we've like rekindled talking again, but we actually has connected right before the pandemic and they live in a different place than they live in a different city. Okay. And so we have been trying to like meet up and like you kind of picked up on like, there's just some factors that have just been getting in the way more. And yeah. I was just recently where they were and we just had like an amazing time. Yeah. And then like something sort of happened where I was like disappointed and they had no idea, but I felt we had this conversation and right. like they apologized and then kind of also gave some insight to just like what they had been personally going through, which I had no idea. I feel like I'm probably always saying this, but I feel like if you can cultivate curiosity about what's slowing this down and if there's actually like a gift in this being slow, I think you might actually really like what you find. And again, I can't tell what's going to happen with their mental health. Honestly, that seems like the thing that's stopping things from progressing. Are they just a couple years younger than you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. Like at the, on a different part of the Saturn return journey. Yeah. Like they just turned 30. Yeah. That makes sense. I think it's worth pursuing. Not like aggressively pursuing or trying to make yeah. it happen, but like, you know, just having that one conversation where you let them know that it was a big deal for you to say what was up and the way they responded was something that is incredibly special to you. 
you know, mm. checking in on them, that kind of a thing that will make a difference to you and to them. Mm. And I think that that's really what it's about at this stage is just like showing up for the awkwardness, not needing it to be beautiful in order for it to be beautiful, you mm. know? Yeah. My general belief as an astrologer is that when we are attracted to unavailable people, it's because we're not available because totally. we want a fantasy. It's because we want something perfect, which doesn't exist. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's true with you. In, it is. And also it's not true with you at all. And this is where I just want to just drag you back into feeling your feelings in your body. Okay. I'm sorry. It's super annoying. No, it's not. I really appreciate that because I feel that feels real. Like yeah, that yeah. feels, yeah, something can like impact one of those sensibilities and throw the balance. Yeah, that's back. exactly what it is. You have ambiguity. You've no ambiguity about wanting to be in a relationship. But then in real life situations, you have a lot of ambiguity about letting people in, dealing with these feelings, dealing with the situation. And the thing, the way that you cope is a really great way of coping. You talk about it, you think about it, you process it, you make a decision. Right, good. Except you do those things whilst missing this crucial part of sitting with your feelings and the discomfort and allowing yourself to be messy and mm. to cry if you need mm. to cry. And sometimes we just cry like we sweat. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like you cry because you cry. It's not always like, why am I crying? You're crying because you have feelings like mm. it can be like that. And having the moon that you have crying is good for you. It's really good for you. Wow. Yeah. Fuck the gender police. Like this, it is just good for you to cry. You're somebody who gets that. Okay. So the moon, Mercury, moon, Neptune, to much lesser extent, moon, Uranus uh, aspects you have in your birth chart it's like you pull in emotions and pull in emotions and pull in emotions. Sometimes it's about your personal relationship. Sometimes it's about this fucking world. Somebody looked at you sideways on the bus. You know, <laughs> it's like not always that deep. And sometimes it is. Yeah. Uh, and you do your feelings because your moon is in Libra. You take everything personally. Even if you're like someone looked sideways at me and it meant nothing about me, you feel differently. 100%. Yeah. So, that means that you're you're holding all, holding all, holding all. And if you don't release it, then what the fuck is going to happen to you, right? You you become either very shut down all the time or have weird outbursts where you're like, I didn't mean to say that to that person or like. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So for you, you exercise every morning. Great. For people who have the ability to cry, like why not have that be part of your practice too? Like mm. crying exercising. It's just working things out, letting things out of your body. You know, it's not like exercising a demon, but it is releasing something that has nowhere to go if we don't tend to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Now there's one last thing I'm supposed to tell you here. There's okay. a couple, two, two last things I'm supposed to tell you. Okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the quick one first. Okay. You should be having safer sex. <gasps> Oh my God, drag me. No, I know, I know. Yeah, You're right. You're I know, right. I shouldn't be laughing, but you you just, that was adorable. You have Neptune in the eighth house. Neptune yeah. in the eighth house 
oftentimes people just do not want to use any kind of latex, do not want to. And there's a reason. It's a boundary. Having yeah. safer sex is a boundary. And yeah. if we've already established that unless you're burning the, everything down to the ground, boundaries are not comfortable for you. So safer sex. Okay. Check, period. You, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. So that was the quick thing. The, the, the bigger thing. Okay. You can be plagued by the question, why? Why mm -hmm. did they say that? Why didn't they say this? Why did I, like, why, 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 why? It's very compelling to you. And and, and this makes sense, right? Like you'll sometimes like lose hours on why. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I want to say, sometimes finding out why is really important. And sometimes finding out why is a distraction from coping with what is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Within that, if you find yourself... And you come up with a time, I would say, because I'm a pain in the ass, 20 minutes, but you might say two hours, doesn't matter. Come up with a time where you're like, I'm allowed to obsess on why for a specific topic for X amount of time. And after that, I need to ask myself, can I accept that this is what is? Mm. Just always insert that question. Can I accept that X is what is right now? This person isn't available. Can I just accept that this person isn't available? Doesn't matter why. And if we spend all our time, and you know, science nerds will disagree with me about this and I respect them so much, but if we spend all our time trying to figure out why the sky is blue, we may miss out on lying in the grass and staring up at the sky and enjoying it. I mean, mm. like, wow, it's blue. It's darker blue now. It's it's lighter blue now. I can't see the blue now. There's a way that in order to keep yourself safe, what you've developed as a coping mechanism, right, is to figure it out. You'll figure it out. If you figure it out, then you're safe. If you understand it, then you can take care of yourself. And the truth is, that's a great coping mechanism. We do not want you to get rid of that coping mechanism, but it's running your show. And because it's running your show, it's like thwarting the development of your ability to accept and from, from a place of acceptance, cope. Right. Like find a way to nurture yourself or to support yourself or your situation. Yeah. So that's that's going to be the move. You know, you figure out an amount of time and then you'll you'll fail. And it's nothing a criticism of you. It's just no one would do this and not fail. And yeah. every time you catch yourself, you're just like, oh, OK, OK, I need to remember. I've been like 17 hours wondering why I have to just ask myself, can I accept this now and just keep on bringing it back to can I accept it? And if the answer is no, say, OK. I'm not going to accept it. I, <laughs> that's fine. But you want to get to a place where you can be like, yes, I can accept this. And then it won't be that hard to figure out what to do next. That was right on time. I feel like, you know, like the back of my hairs, I'm just like, oh, yeah. So much of what you're saying feels like things that my body knows, but I'm waiting for my mind to catch up. Mm. Or my body has just learned and I'm waiting for my mind to also like, compute it and file it where my body has filed it so we can be in tandem yeah well I'm thinking about like there's something really beautiful to me like image wise of an unaspected Venus so I guess to make sure I understand that clearly is like because my Venus is unaspected like it means that I can 
sort of will things depending on like where I'm at like emotionally and that Venus unaspected and I honestly we could spend like three hours talking about your unaspected Venus <laughs> if I'm just being frank so I'm like trying to like give you like a succinct truth but yeah um having an unaspected Venus means your Venus is not in conversation with anything in your birth chart Okay. Really? That means that sometimes it's like, leave me alone. I speak to no one. I am intimate with no one. I mm. want no closeness. Go away. I am an introvert. That is my full-time job. And mm. then other times your Venus is like, relationships are literally the most important thing to me. All I care about is being close with others and creating harmony with others. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, beauty and art and creativity is my lifeblood. It is what I am. It is where I go. It is what I drink and eat. And other times it's like, nothing's real. Nothing is beautiful. Everything's mm. been done. Like, I don't care. Like yeah. you can really go either or. The way to create a bridge between those two parts of yourself or those two parts of your Venus is by having tolerance for disharmony. Mm. It's by cultivating the willingness and the ability to stay present when things get ugly. Mm. And that is hard for Venus, unaspected or aspected. And your Venus isn't Sagittarius. So she likes adventure. She likes it to happen fast. Yes. That Venus of yours is just like, I don't want to eat the same food every day. I want a buffet, <laughs> a delightful buffet. <laughs> Yes, totally. Yes. yes. And so that restlessness is in some ways an asset. And in some ways, it's like an extra distraction from not being with disharmony, right? Because there's always something new. There's always someone new. There's always something different and better potentially there, right? There is a way that, again, you want to work with Venus to cope with Venus. So that's where I come back to values. Venus governs values. So if at the end of the day, you do truly value intimacy, closeness, relationships, in whatever queerdo way you do, mm -hmm. then having the ability to say, I am investing in intimacy in my own way, in my own pace. And some days that means I am alone. I'm not looking at my phone, like leave me out of it. And other days it means I'm texting every literal person I know. You're allowed to be all the things, but it's about being able to be present for who and what you are and to be authentic around other people with other people, even when it's not cute, mm -hmm. even when it's not easy. This, again, is why I talked about boundaries so much with you, like the, the need for boundaries with yourself and the need to be emotional, because even though Venus, it's like Venus is not the moon. It's not your fields. It's not your emotions. Venus is not Mercury. It's not your thoughts. It's not your attitudes and beliefs. Venus okay. is sensation. In your chart, your moon and your Mercury, your feelings and your thoughts are constantly barking at each other. They're like constantly working shit out together. Venus, your sense impressions, your feelings, that is on its own. Mm. You're not going to analyze your way in. Instead, what you want to do is connect to the body as a way to access the feelings that you have that'll work for you totally. and it'll and it'll only work because you value it enough to work on it to make it work mm. wow there's something really special about that we could talk for three more hours about <laughs> this plays out in your matrilineage and how this plays out in are, are you an artist I am. Okay. Cause I was going to say how this plays out in your art practice and yeah. how this plays out in your love life. But again, it's the answer 
to all of these topics is the same. Tending to the bridge is like tending to your heart through your meat suit. Mm. There is reading, my darling. I am so overjoyed that I got to give you this reading. I appreciate you so much. And you just gave me some real things to think about. That makes me so happy. All right, let's get astrological. Before we do, I need to remind you of a couple things. The first one is that this month on Ghost of a Podcast, I am centering Black love, which means if you are Black, please send me your questions about anything related to anything, no matter how loosely or tightly connected to the theme of love. And the way to send me your question is to go to my website at ghostofapodcast.com and use the contact form on my site and just make sure to use the hashtag Black love somewhere in your question. Another quick announcement that I want to make is that there's a change coming to Ghost of a Podcast. So do make sure that you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts because on the 22nd of February, which is Wednesday, we're going to drop a reading. And then on Sunday, the 25th, we're going to drop your horoscope. So Moving forward, every Wednesday, you're going to get a reading and every Sunday, you're going to get the horoscope. And if you're somebody who just loves listening to the reading and the horoscope together, just ignore the Wednesday drop and listen to those two episodes back to back on Sunday. But if you prefer to listen to them separated, I've just made it that much easier and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you like it. I'm sure you'll let me know. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you. Now, We're going to talk about the horoscope of February 12th through the 18th of 2023. And of course, this week is all about love because it's fucking Valentine's Day. So that means that love is in the air, maybe, but more likely love is all over the internet. Everybody's talking about relationships and it tends to bring up a lot of feelings for a lot of people. So I just want to take a quick minute to talk about love. Because love is messy and it's complicated. And yes, love at first sight may exist, but love, true love, it endures. It, it works through the hardship. It changes over the course of time, whether we're talking about familial love, platonic love, romantic love, self-love. When we love someone, when we love something like a group of people or the environment or animals, It doesn't always have to be uh, out of 10. It doesn't always have to be perfect or easy. But that said, love is more than just a feeling. It's more than thoughts. It involves actions. We must engage with love. We must act from a place of love. And inevitably, that's going to be dramatic because we all struggle with self-love, at least at some point in our lives, if not chronically. We all struggle with letting others love us or finding ways to express or experience love that are healthy and self-appropriate, that aren't too much or too little, right? Many of us will consciously or unconsciously prioritize things or symbols or attention over true intimacy and love. And You know, I'm not here to judge it, but it is important when we think about love, when we evaluate the love that we do or don't have in our own lives and with our own selves, that we contemplate what love actually is. 
Like, how do you know what love feels like? What are the rules that you have in your in your mind about what love looks like and what it doesn't, how it feels and how it doesn't? Because it is not enough to just say, I love you, and then show up late for all your dates and not be respectful for your partner's needs. It's not enough to say, I care about people. But then when we see something like what's happened in Syria and Turkey, this just heartbreaking earthquake, to not find a way to act, to not find a way to engage, to act from a place of love. It's important that we find ways of centering love in our lives and not in some like fairy tale fantasy way, but in a way where we are treating ourselves, the people in our lives, and the world at large with care and dignity. Because it's hard to be acting from a place of love when you're actively disrespecting someone or something else, when you are perpetrating harm or you are remaining silent and passive in the presence of others perpetrating harm, right? So think about love this week, but not in the Hallmark card way. Do it, do it in a real way. Get messy with it because love is messy. Love relationships are messy. They have highs and they have lows. They, they require fighting and fighting fair. They require good times and bad. And being healthy in this life requires that we are willing to figure out how to love ourselves, how to love ourselves through our challenges and how to love ourselves through our high times. And of course, to center love in our actions as a global participant. It's hard work acting from love in a sustained and real way. But it's it's good work, you know. So just, just something to chew on. Okay, let's get astrological. We're looking at the astrology of February 12th through the 18th of 2023. I want to let you know that on the 19th, there will be a new moon in Pisces. Uh, at 11.06 p.m. So depending on where you are, it actually may be happening on the 20th, but that is happening. We are going to cover that next week's podcast, but it's certainly worth naming that it, it is coming. But let's stay in the present a little bit more. Okay. On the 15th, we have an exact Venus conjunction to Neptune. It's exact specifically at 4.25 a.m. This transit is going to be felt deeply on Valentine's Day. And I don't know, this makes me uncomfortable a little bit. Let me tell you why. Venus conjunction to Neptune is a tricky transit. It can bring up a lot of romantic feelings. It can make you feel more compassionate or spiritual. This is not a good time for consciousness raising drugs. I wouldn't fuck with any recreational drugs that obscure or change your relationship to reality because this transit will already be doing that. And it would in any zodiac sign, but Venus and Neptune are both in Pisces. So in particular, this transit can just make you feel a little wonky. And if you're doing spiritual work, it can really facilitate being open and empathetic. You don't need a facilitator. Just try to tap into the energies on your own. Now, if you're in a relationship, whether it's platonic or romantic, if you have any kind of love in your life, this can intensify your feelings, which is lovely. But if things are at all imperfect, or if you're experiencing loneliness, either in a relationship or single, this transit's kind of a bummer of news, because what it does is it intensifies our risk of disappointment or hurt feelings because we have too idealistic 
expectations of how we're going to feel or what should be happening. Super bummer, right? This transit can make you idealize people and situations, compare yourself to fantasies that you have of other people and how they're living or how they feel, how they do or don't feel about you, all that kind of stuff. It can be kind of a romantic nightmare because when we're placing people on pedestals or situations on pedestals, we're not accepting them as they are. We're not engaging with them authentically. We're not showing up as an equal. And that creates problems. And this transit tends to trigger all of that. This transit can make you really preoccupied with love and intimacy and really wish that you had more of it or had better versions of it in your life. This is a terrible time for ignoring your boundaries. If you're going to have sex, have safer sex. My friends, I beg of you. Because what this transit teaches us is about the power and impact of love. Perfectly timed for Valentine's Day is just a coincidence, I swear. But the downside is love and devotion without reason, common sense, discernment can get you into trouble and actually not be real love at all, right? Whenever we're dealing with Neptune transits, it is important that we think about our boundaries and that we hold our own boundaries as an act of self-love and to understand that how other people respond to our boundaries is a reflection on them. Now, that doesn't mean you're perfect just because you have a boundary. Maybe you did it weird. Maybe your boundary's funky. I don't know. But we are all always revealing ourselves to others and to ourselves. And so it's important, if you can, to be like, okay, this is the information I have right now. This is what I know, and this is what I feel, and this is what I'm like tapping into. And to hold all of this information lightly because we are not super reliable narrators of our own experience during a Venus conjunction to Neptune. The story can get real wonkadonk for better or worse. Do your best to show up with empathy, kindness, boundaries, love, and care but not at the expense of common sense and discretion, not at the expense of your own wellness. It's important to remember that Venus governs our values and Neptune governs our ideals. And so whatever it is that is going on for you, pay attention to your values and don't let your ideals distract from them because our values tend to be a little bit more grounded and attainable. And that's very important. Neptune's idealism can blur our boundaries and blur the kind of clarity that we hold around what we value and how we hold that value. Again, whether that's around something within the self or in relationship to others. This can also be a time where we spend money in a ridiculous way because Neptune blurs the clarity that Venus has around what's worth spending on what item or what experience. One more word about this Valentine's Day, Venus, Neptune, conjunction, Mishigas. Being in a relationship is not assurance that you are loved or that you are happy or that you are safe. And being single is not an indication that you are not loved, that you are unhappy or that you are not safe. Right? It is not enough to be in relationship to others. What we must ideally do or what is ideal for us to do is to be in healthy 
happy relationship to others, which, as I said at the jump, is not always going to be the case in relationships. When we have problems in relationships, it's really important that those problems help us to become healthier versions of ourselves instead of drag us down or back in our lives or in our development. So don't idealize being in a relationship or being single because there's pros and cons of all of it. This stupid Valentine's Day thing can make a person feel really bad about being on their own. Centering love on Valentine's Day does not have to be interpersonal. It does not have to be romantic. And it's important that you don't allow the coinciding of this transit with that holiday to make you compare yourself to some fantasy of what other people's relationships are or what relationship you think you should be in. Find ways of loving yourself and your life here today. Okay. Okay. That brings us to the next transit, which is happening on the 16th. And it's a total boner killer. (laughs) I'm sorry to laugh, Uh, but it is a total boner killer. It overlaps with the Venus conjunction to Neptune. I will contextualize that for you in a moment. This is the sun conjunction to Saturn. Okay. And in Aquarius, sun conjunction to Saturn. It is kind of depressing. Like literally, Saturn governs compression, depression, and obligation, responsibility, hard work. And the sun is vitality and the will and your your central and solar energies, right? It's your sense of self. So Saturn really smooshes those. So you can see how it would murder so many boners of all kinds and natures. This is not a sexy or romantic transit. Uh, Longtime listeners of the podcast will remember Neptune governs anxiety, Saturn governs depression. So having these two conjunctions to these two outer planets may make us feel kind of anxiously depressive or depressively anxious. Then what this transit can have you feeling is down, heavy and down. You may be holding yourself or others to too high a standard. You may be looking for perfection or looking for things to just be like completely tidy when that's simply not realistic. This transit often coincides with needing to deal with things. It also tends to coincide with feeling it's like Saturnian stiffness, this kind of like rigidity within the self. If you have been sad, if you are unhappy, these transits, but you know, especially the sun conjunction to Saturn, it's going to bring it up. It's not going to create it. It's just going to bring it up. And as much as that sucks, and it does suck, if you feel bad when it comes up, you can deal with it. And that's what it's all about, right? Dealing with it. So that's the shit side of this transit. Now, the positive side of this transit is that it can coincide with a sense of focus and discipline, a sense of clarity about what you want to do and how you want to do it. And you may have the sense of like, I am ready to giddy up and get going. That's the positive side of this transit. Some people, especially if this hits your chart directly, will experience uh, achievement or, you know, some sort of like getting kudos for a job well done. When things go your way or go well during any kind of transit involving Saturn, you know you worked for it. So pat yourself on the back if you can. The issue is with the sun conjunction to Saturn is that everything takes work. Everything is a responsibility, ultimately, right? And 
how you engage with the things that are important to you, the commitments that you make, etc., has a lot to do with how you feel when transits like this occur. And so in the context of relationships, because it's fucking Valentine's Day, uh, you know, a lot of people are likely to be having serious relationship hiccups in this moment because the reality is coming up. And so much of what relationships are really about is coming to some form of agreement. This works. Let's do this. This doesn't work. Let's not do that. You know, working on things with yourself, with others, so that you can mobilize together to have, you know, whatever outcomes you've decided are best. And reality is that most of us don't do that most of the time. So therefore, the sun conjunction to Saturn, again, may murder some boners. Here's what you do. Every time you feel any kind of guilt on and around this date, try to see what you can take responsibility for, what you can be humble about instead of feeling guilty about it. Because the thing about guilt is it can often be a self-obsession that distracts you from accountability, right? So this is a great transit for being accountable. It's also a great transit for conserving your energies for the things that actually matter to you, the things that need to get done, whether it's, you know, showing up for a conversation, uh, you know, following up with your word, whatever it is. This is an important transit for doing that. And if you feel low, if you feel down, I want to say honor that. The needs of your body are really important. And how you engage with and care for your body is really foundational to how you can show up in the rest of your life. So if you can, really center self-love in regards to how you tend to that sweet, sweet meat suit that you're living in, you know? It's your charge. Like it, love it, hate it, whatever. It's, it's still, you know, it's your responsibility. Sun conjunct Saturn. Now, I guess the last thing I'll say about this transit is it's actually really good for organizing things. Venus conjunction to Neptune, fucking terrible for organizing things. So, you know, depending on how these transits hit your chart, you may be feeling more with one, one of these transits or the other. You may be feeling them both a lot. But I will say by the 17th, it is a great time for organizing. If you've got shit that needs doing, you know, schedule it for the 17th, 18th, because those are some good, good dates for it. Okay. And that brings us to the next exact transit I want to tell you about, which is the Mercury sextile to Jupiter exact on the 17th. So again, there's this overlap with the Sun conjunction to Saturn. And Mercury sextile to Jupiter is lovely. Mercury is the details and Jupiter is the big picture. And a sextile is a dynamic burst of energy. And so we can make plans. We can look at the mess that is our bedroom and be like, okay, I'm going to move these things around. I'm going to tidy this up. Bada bing, bada boom. You know, this can be a transit where we communicate, where we say what needs to be said, where we really listen to what other people are saying, right? Because as you know, Mercury is not just what you say, it's how you listen. Mercury is not just sending emails, it's reading those emails that you get in response. So Mercury sextile to Jupiter makes all of this stuff work well. If there are kind of stressful or tender conversations that need to be had, this transit is great for having those conversations. Avoid them on the 14th and 15th, please. Please, I, I tell you, the 16th is a bad day for it as well. But once we hit the 17th, things get a little better. Okay, so if you got a process, don't do it before the 17th this week. 
Mercury sextile to Jupiter is great for making plans. It's great for hanging out with friends. It's great for learning something new. There is no downside to this lovely, lovely transit. And Mercury is at nine degrees of Aquarius. Jupiter is at nine degrees of Aries. So if you have anything around those points in your birth chart, this will be great for you, even if it's a hard aspect, because it is a lovely, lovely transit. You know, the great thing about having such a nice, creative, dynamic transit on the heels of these more challenging transits to Neptune and Saturn is that it kind of lets us know that even if things are real bumpy earlier in the week, that there's going to be support there. There's going to be something shifting that allows us to cope more easily, that it just kind of opens the windows, you know, and lets some fresh air in. So if you're having a particularly rough week, remember that by the 17th, this transit is exact, and it's going to be overlapping with that Sun-Saturn conjunction all the way through. So we have the opportunity to tap into those energies, to see things from a bigger picture, to be broad-minded in our approach, to be a bit more gregarious, a bit more open and generous with ourselves and others. So, you know, sometimes it's just helpful to have it in your mind that this energy is there. It makes it easier to recognize it when it passes through you. And a lot of times when we're feeling these kind of what they call easy transits, sextiles and trines, it's just... It happens and we don't even pay attention to it because it doesn't demand our attention. So you're walking down the street and you notice that the sun feels good on your face or you, I don't know, you're working and a couple hours pass and you realize there's been no problems. Nothing's gone wrong. Try to take a moment to appreciate that, you know, to take it in because it really can change how you feel and empower you to cope with the more challenging stuff uh, as, as it exists. Okay. And that brings me to the last exact transit that I want to name. And that is on the 18th, it becomes Pisces season. Welcome, Pisces. So I want to take a moment to acknowledge. Here we are at the beginning of a new year still, right? We're middle, middle of February. And the year starts with Capricorn season every year. And in Capricorn season, we are dealing with family matters. We're dealing with responsibilities to both close out the old year and to step with intention into the new year, right? And then we move into heady Aquarius season where things get really busy and we are often thinking about the future and moving forward really fast. And now we shift into Pisces, which is the last zodiac sign of them all, right? It's number 12. And Pisces season is a time for tapping in, right, to really feeling into our sense impressions, our spirituality, to noticing what's happening within us. And so much of that Capricorn and Aquarius season is about thinking about the future, making plans, following through, dealing with people. But Pisces season... Pisces season is a time where we can really prioritize how we feel and what we need more spiritually. And, you know, when I say spiritually, for some people, that means like very woo or religious. But for many other people, it means like in that space between our psychology and our emotions, that space that is private and within us. So this Pisces season, take a moment to really tap in. And to notice how you feel and how you've been feeling this new year. This is especially important because in this Pisces season, in fact, on the 7th of March, Saturn moves into Pisces. So I want to just really encourage you on the 18th as we enter into Pisces season to enjoy 
the first half of the season. Really like tap into it and feel into it and enjoy it because things are going to get a little bit heavier when Saturn enters into the sign. So, you know, just put that in your uh, scent diffuser and gently diffuse it, as it were. Okay. And that, my friends, is your damn horoscope. I'm going to run through the transits one more time for you. Uh, On the 15th, we have an exact conjunction between Venus and Neptune. On the 16th, we have an exact conjunction between the Sun and Saturn. On the 17th, Mercury is exactly sextile to Jupiter. And then on the 18th, it is Pisces season. Welcome and rejoice. And that's it. That's your damn horoscope. I hope you take really good care of yourself and others this week. And as always, if you'd like to learn more with me and get more woo, join me over on Patreon, where actually we're getting into the nodes, which I'm very excited about. Anyways, you can join me over on Patreon, take classes with me, and grab my book, Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. All right, that's it. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.